0: Hello. Welcome to the Alcohol Podcast. The kinder, gentler podcast. <laughs> I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And we are the podcast that says Dodson. Dodson! We got Dodson's here! See? No one cares. Beth, that is a line from Jurassic Park. Dennis Nedry says that.
1: I remember that. We've watched that movie quite recently,
0: actually. So, um, one of the main themes in Jurassic Park is where the dinosaurs came from. They came from Amber. And for our 20th episode, I'm pretty excited because I am going to tell you about something that we discussed and you had no idea what it was. And that's the Amber Room.
1: Imagine that. I knew nothing.
0: Easy coffee dreams. I'm going to talk about the Amber Room, whether you want me to or not. (laughs) So, allow me to begin with only in the thousand and one nights and in magic fairy tales where the architecture of palaces is trusted to magicians, Spirits and genies, one can read about rooms made of diamonds, rubies, jacinth, and other jewels. <clears throat> Here, the expression, the amber room, is not just poetic hyperbole, but exact reality, and it is not, as you could believe, a small boudoir or study. On the contrary, the room is rather large, with walls wholly adorned with amber mosaic from top to bottom, including a frieze. The eye, which has not been adapted to seeing this material, applied in such a scale, is amazed and is blinded by the wealth and warmth of tints representing all colors of the spectrum of yellow, from smoky topaz to a light lemon. The gold of carving seems dim and false in this neighborhood, especially when the sun falls on the walls and runs through the transparent veins as those sliding on them. And that was a quote from... Theophile Gaudier, a French art critic. And that was after he visited the Amber Room in 1866.
1: That was way before I was born.
0: Yeah. And that was way after where the story really begins. Now, amber is fossilized tree sap from coniferous trees. Coniferous trees would be like your pines. (laughs) You said
1: coniferous.
0: I did say coniferous because they're not deciduous. They're a softwood. It's the sticky resin that comes out of pine trees. And it's usually uh, a hue of yellow, but it can actually be red or blue or green. They're rare, but yeah, you can get different color. Amber. I didn't know that. And it's, it's fossilized sap. I mean, so, yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah. Tree blood. Woohoo! We collect tree blood and rocks. We're human. <laughs> now, work began on the Amberu in Prussia. In seventeen O one, under the reign of Frederick I, Andreas Schluter was in charge. Schluter, he was an architect. Hey, wasn't like his name was Fincher. <laughs> um, there were actually tons of amber stored under the palace, and Schluter envisioned a whole chamber decorated in it, in it instead of the usual like mirror frames and just random furniture that they used it for.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh
0: now, Schluter hired a Danish craftsman by the name of Gottfried Wolfram
1: Gottfried? Probably
0: like Gottfried Wolfram who was an expert sculptor to help with the room he knew like all the tips and tricks of dealing with amber, like what temperature it became most pliable at, what sort of oils and stuff to really make it shine, how to make it thin and turn it into this mosaic that uh, Schluter envisioned I just wanted to say Schluter Schluter again They made various shades of amber and carved and polished it and flattened it out and backed them with either gold or silver leaf and then mounted them on wooden panels up on the walls. So it was basically like drywall, but totally awesome drywall. Do you
1: think that much amber had a scent?
0: Probably not. I don't think that amber has any aroma anymore. It's fossilized which means all the original material has been replaced by something else. But the project took nearly 12 years to complete. Do you guys hear my neighbor's dog? Uh, King Frederick died in February of 1713, and his son, King Frederick William I, was crowned. He didn't care about the arts like his dad, so he ordered all the work to cease and fired the craftsmen. These guys had worked on this room for 12 years. He's like, nope, you're fired. I'm a warrior leader. We're done. Yeah, you got it. It's good. Get out of here. No, no, it's not good. He ordered the room taken down and stored in a cellar.
1: Well, at least he didn't demolish demolish it. He kept some of it.
0: Fortunately, Frederick William I wanted a Prussia-Russia alliance. And he gifted Tsar... Peter the Great with the stored panels, because at the time, to make an alliance it was customary for leaders to give each other gifts. And Frederick William received 55 Russian soldiers, all of whom were over seven feet tall.
1: Oh, my. And they
0: became the famous Army Regiment, the Potsdam Giants. Have you heard of, they're famous, you haven't heard of them, you just, like, looked up and you're like,
1: No, I haven't heard of them, but I'm contemplating that he traded an amber room for soldiers.
0: He was, like, his nickname was the Soldier King. He wanted nothing more than to be like, I am so bad ass. (laughs) Everyone.
1: Look at my seven-foot giants!
0: But he only got 55 of them. How many were left in the Russian army? Hmm.
1: I didn't realize Russians were that tall normally.
0: I only know one actual Russian person, and we're like the same height, so seven foot probably isn't the most common. But I guess Yuri's son, he's like, yeah, I, he used to work with me briefly, and he was like 6'5". Huh. Maybe he's a short Russian. I don't know. Russian listeners, check in.
1: How tall are you? All right.
0: <laughs> By the time the panels reached St. Petersburg, uh, the room was pretty much destroyed the glue that had been used to fasten the amber to the panels was failing and some of the amber had disintegrated because if amber gets too dried out, it falls apart.
1: Thanks for my giants. Here's a broken room. Yeah.
0: And, excuse me, no one in Russia could figure out how to recreate the mosaic or replace the missing pieces. So it was stored away again and remained in storage until after Peter died in 1725. So he never actually got to Be in that room that they traded for, traded favors for. Hey, I gave you
1: a giant and you gave me a broken room.
0: But in 1743, Peter the Great's daughter, Empress Elizabeth, woohoo! Yeah, woohoo! Yeah, woohoo! 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 Elizabeths are complicated. She decided that she would
1: powerful women
0: install the amber room in her winter palace in honor of her father.
1: To have multiple homes.
0: Italian sculptor Alexander Martelli was hired for the job of reconstructing the room. And at first, it was supposed to be assembled in a small room at the Winter Palace, but Elizabeth changed her mind.
1: Imagine that!
0: Elizabeth's are wont to do. And it was going to be in a much larger hall. And since it wasn't built for the large hall, it wasn't that big, um, the original panels were spaced out and new panels were made to fill in the empty space. This project was completed near the end of 1745. Wow. Yeah, so about two years to redo the room and make it bigger.
1: But! Bigger is better!
0: As you may have guessed, Elizabeth, they are known to change their minds. So the room was moved again, and again, and again. (laughs) And each time was to a larger space. Martelli had to fill in more gaps every single time. And in 1755, she had the room moved one last time uh, to the Catherine Palace. Again, the space was larger. So a holder
1: for building? Yeah.
0: You just rolled your eyes, but you would totally do it. To have multiple places. <laughs> That's what you said. And uh, there wasn't enough finances available to her anymore to make more panels. So the gaps were just filled in with gold foil and backed, or gold foil backed glass. Basically foil mirrors. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep moving it. Keep moving it. Yeah. Good idea.
1: She's lucky it didn't break in all this
0: moving. Well, in 1788, after she died, there was a brand new empress named Catherine the Great. And she decided to refurbish the room. And she hired four amber carvers from the Konigsberg Guild. And Josip Zoki, I hope I'm saying that right. again, Somebody help me out. It's G-U-I-S-E-P-P-E-D-Z-O-K-K-I. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Giuseppe Zocchi. To make four, mosa- four mosaic panels... He was hired to do the four mosaic panels. I wrote that down stupid. Okay? The, the other guys were just to carve the emperor and do everything else. But Giuseppe Zocchi was to make four mosaics out of Florentine stone depicting the four senses. And one was hung on each wall. And you're making a face because there are five senses. Actually, they put taste and smell together. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, they are really interlinked. Yeah. And it was completed in 1782 and was deemed the eighth wonder of the world. It, it was like uh, MTV's Cribs, but way better than all of the Cribs.
1: Well, you know I love watching the shows about the yeah. extravagant homes and everything. Yeah, it
0: was it was absolutely amazing. And there is only one color photograph that is known to exist of it. It's no
1: longer there? See,
0: in 1941, the Amber Room was looted by the Nazis. Oh. And it was moved to Konigsberg, where those four carvers were from, to be displayed. Okay? Now, it stayed in the same place from 1782 until 1941.
1: And there's only one photo of it.
0: There's some black and whites, but one color photo. Now... Uh, in 1945, Hitler ordered the evacuation evacuation of looted things from Konigsberg, but the dude that was supposed to be running that place was, like, off and disappeared, like, from his post, but there is speculation, because no one knows what actually became of it. Some people say that it was stashed away in 27 crates and hidden. Some say it was buried. Other people say that it was bombed, because Konigsberg took a pounding during World War II just got destroyed. And so if you ever Google the Amber Room like the Amber Room mystery or anything like that, there are newspaper stories, articles, things stretching back almost all the way to when it disappeared of has the Amber Room been found. The most recent ones are from last year.
1: They thought they found it again? And it's
0: valued at about five hundred million, give or take. Yeah, they continually think they found it, but nobody's actually Straight up found it.
1: I went to live with Jesus.
0: But, no, no. Amber doesn't have a soul.
1: Well, that's what happens to all the socks that disappear at our house. I inform your children that they went to live with Jesus.
0: Yes, yes. In 1979, though, the Soviet government decided to recreate the Amber Room. From old photographs, and all but one of those were in black and white, and from descriptions. And in 2003, it was mostly complete and was dedicated by the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Really? And German chancellor, Gerard Schroeder. where they recreate the set? The St. Petersburg Palace. And that was on the 300th anniversary of St. Petersburg. So they re, redid it pretty much.
1: Fancy schmancy. It is
0: very fancy So schmancy. is
1: that one rated at 5 point whatever I'm, bazillion dollars?
0: I'm not sure what that one's valued at, but it's a recreation, so it's not the original piece. And obviously... It's not going to be worth what the original is worth. Um, little side note, like the amber probably came mostly from the Bering Sea because there's like a shelf underneath where there's lots of amber and the wave action actually just washes it up on the shore. So I don't know why it was stored under the palace. Like there was just rooms full of amber that nobody had ever used for anything but to make like mirror frames and stuff. And I don't even think like all of them were wall mirrors. Some of them had to be just like handheld... Looky do, and who wants a chair made of because it said furniture, you know. Uh, mm. But for the most part, yeah, that's where the majority of the amber is said to have come from.
1: How many dinosaur mosquitoes did they destroy in their that's amber? That's a good making? question.
0: But up in that part of the world, might have been a lot of woolly mammoth mosquitoes too. I don't know. No, mm. that's that. Well, there's fossilized woolly mammoths, I suppose. But it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> because there are frozen whole woolly mammoths.
1: Yeah, there are. We just have to thaw them out like Encino Man.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, Beth. That's all I've got about the Amber Room. And I'll post some pictures of it on our social media because I think that it's just absolutely amazing.
1: I'm anxious to see it.
0: And a side note, other descriptions. The first, the one that I read was a very flowery description from an art critic But most people say that the sunlight wasn't the way to go, that if you go in there in the candlelight where it would dance and it would refract through the amber was way more amazing to look at. Really? Yeah.
1: I wonder how they have it lighted now than in their recreation room.
0: Probably both. So, I thought maybe my topic should be a little shorter than last week because I really, really, really took a long time. What have you got today?
1: Well... I decided today that I wanted to talk about adult coloring books.
0: That sounds so dirty. (laughs) Here, color Jenna Jameson's pasties.
1: You laugh, but there probably is an adult coloring book such as that.
0: Wouldn't surprise me.
1: Um, Johanna Basford was a British illustrator working as a commercial illustrator for big brands like Absolute Vodka and Nike. When she came up with the idea to create an unheard of coloring book, one for adults.
0: Sounds like she was drinking the absolute out of a tennis shoe. and like, <laughs> this is a great idea.
1: It's Just because you've never gave in and tried the adult coloring book. Sorry. Well, back in 2011, Johanna was commissioned by the Basford Company for a children's book. But she convinced them to go a different direction and she was able to turn her monochrome pictures into the very first adult coloring book of its kind, titled the S- titled Secret Garden, not The Secret Garden, just Secret Garden.
0: The Secret Garden was a good book.
1: It was a good book, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Secret Garden, The Coloring Book, which was kind of inspired by the other and gardens in England. Um, The book's actually been so popular that it's been translated into 14 different languages and sold over a million copies.
0: It's a coloring book. Why does it need to be translated?
1: You know, actually, I looked the book up and there aren't really a whole lot of things written other than on the cover page with, you know... I
0: feel like the translation is probably minimal.
1: Well, you know, (laughs) this popular trend is not new, actually. Of the adult coloring book. Um, Back in the 1960s, coloring books were topping the book bestseller lists. In, In fact, in 1962, the JFK coloring book by Mort Drucker spent 14 weeks at the top of the New York Times bestseller list.
0: I just thought of a JFK coloring book? Yeah. Okay, I've got to look that up because... His presidential career wasn't very long, but I wonder if they, like, go back through his military career, like when he was, like, stranded, you know, when he was on the the PT boat.
1: Well, I can tell you when you look it up, it's probably not going to be putting a kind light on him.
0: Oh. That's not cool.
1: That's kind of how the adult coloring books went at this point.
0: Ah. They're kind of gory?
1: Um, no, not so much, like, death shot scenes or anything, but whole snide comments and everything
0: oh i gotcha
1: um
0: and i didn't even think about the death shot scene that would be that would be in poor taste
1: yeah and i don't i didn't go look up what all photos and or i might
0: not want to look at that one
1: um the first adult coloring book that was published in late 1961 actually has very little to do with adult coloring books now in fact it mocked the conformists of the post-war corporate workplace as it and it was called the Executive Coloring Book. Ah. Um. Inside this book, it has just as much to do with the captions under the picture as it did for the pictures you were supposed to color. They weren't the detailed, extravagant designs. Now they were like a little kid coloring book with, with adult some trash captions talk
0: underneath. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Uh, That might be fun to look at, especially because the trash talk from that era probably sounds like polite conversation now.
1: um, An example might be um, in the executive coloring book. One page has a man sitting at a large desk and he's dressed in a suit and in what looks to be a private office. And the caption reads, this is my desk. It is mahogany. Important people have mahogany desks. My walls are mahogany, too. I wish I were mahogany.
0: Yeah, that's not really good trash talk, but it's kind of funny.
1: And it goes on from there. Um, The coloring books that followed this one I wish I were, were kind of the same setup. Topics from them ranged from national security, technology, mental illness, and sex. And some of the titles of these books from back in the day are khrushchev's top secret coloring book your first red reader um john birch society coloring book the bureaucrats coloring book the hipster coloring book wait wait wait
0: wait! the hipster coloring book from way back then
1: yes but i thought
0: hipsters were brand new no i'll be darned.
1: or the programmer's primer and coloring book
0: Their definition of a programmer is probably very different from today's definition of a
1: programmer. It was, and actually that one didn't make a whole lot of sense to most people when they opened it up.
0: Was it in binary?
1: No, but it would say things, color the man's shirt Mickey Mouse. Ah. Like, things just didn't line up. Um, these early coloring books for adults were not really the sit-down and color, like I said. It was more getting them and reading the messages and taking a stand for what you believed in. So, while the adult coloring books today are marketed more for relaxation and enjoyment, back in the 1960s, they really might have been yeah. more adult in their content.
0: Yeah, because now they're like, show with Bob Ross.
1: Unless
0: but back then they were like, kill with Bob Ross!
1: Have you ever seen the swear word therapeutic coloring books that are popular today?
0: To be totally fair, I don't need a coloring book, but I do use swear word therapy.
1: (laughs) Well, these are supposed to be relaxing swear word therapies for you to let your frustration and anger out using a swear word, but not swearing out loud.
0: Um, some people need to watch Fight Club or something.
1: Would you like to hear some titles? Oh, please. Um The Best Swear Word Coloring Book. Not Safe for Work. Okay,
0: you can get best damn root beer, but it's just the best swear word coloring book.
1: Yes. Come on. Um Best or um Not Safe for Work, a swear word coloring book. The Redneck Swear word coloring book.
0: That sounds wonderful.
1: Chill the bleep out.
0: Bob Ross. She bleeped out Bob Ross.
1: Um, Fifty Shades of Bull Bleep.
0: Yeah, and Fifty Shades of Anything is popular right now. You could say Fifty Shades of Bull Bleep and people would buy it.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> I was interested when I started researching this. I did not know about the 1960s.
0: Oh, yeah, they came actually after the 50s and before the 70s.
1: Satire. Oh, oh. Coloring book things, you know? And it's not only the swear words that's popular in the adult coloring books. You know, Disney has branched off and created... Swear word
0: Disney whole... coloring books?
1: No we're past the swear words now. That would be awesome, though. Believe it, listen to me.
0: Don't don't break my table. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs>
1: But, you know, there's the different Disney ones. Um, Lisa Frank has even come, out, come oh. out with an adult coloring book.
0: All right. All these should have swear And you words.
1: know who Lisa Frank is, There, You just kind of blew over that. You're like, yeah, Lisa Frank, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, I grew up in the, in the era where Lisa Frank was everything. <laughs> look at my Trapper Keeper. It's got a Lisa Frank drawing. And I'm like, look at my Trapper Keeper. It's green because my parents hate me. <laughs> but in all honesty, I'm, I want to go back to the Disney swear word ones. I mean... Elsa's mother beepin' castle, all right? Huh? Come on.
1: Chill the bleep out.
0: Oh, dude, no, you can be like, you know, the candlestick getting freaky with the feather duster. <laughs> you know, they're beepin'. Yeah.
1: Well, the- you know... I ain't
0: beeping lying. said Pinocchio.
1: <laughs> Lie to me some more, Pinocchio.
0: Tisk tisk.
1: Yeah, that was bad.
0: Tisk tisk. And then the one... It's just a shot of Bambi's mom.
1: The after.
0: No, no, the hunter taking the shot.
1: Ah,
0: <gasps> that's horrible. And then she's all like, beep,
1: beep, 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 beep. You aren't lying, Ugh. though. There are Bob Ross coloring books.
0: I would believe that that would be perfect.
1: Happy little bushes.
0: And awesome mountains. And... You can just make the clouds however you want, however they are in your world. Just You just don't have to copy this. I'm just showing you the technique. Beat that brush. <laughs> don't do that in your living room. or Your spouse will be mad and probably kick you out. <laughs> we watch a little Bob Ross from time to time here. I'm...
1: Bob Ross and chill. That's really what it says on Netflix, people, there.
0: Yeah, and, and Netflix and chill at our house literally means, like, put on Bob Ross and maybe take a nap.
1: On the opposite ends of the f- sectional.
0: Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> okay, Beth. Sorry I interrupted you.
1: I'm you just, didn't interrupt. I'm pretty much done.
0: I'm just more concerned now. I'm like some of the examples for the Disney profanity ones are fine, but what about cars?
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. I mean, some of these things probably not good. Wally wreckin'. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know. Now, things are getting out of hand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Remember, we're not that kind of podcast.
0: No. But I'll bet you could get pretty much any kind of coloring book for adults that you wanted, honestly. Um, you, you know,
1: could... even the dollar stores are selling adult coloring books. Not in the format of naughty word coloring books right, and but everything. but the they... super
0: intricate paisley looking stuff.
1: Yes, the adult therapy, and relaxation. And I'm guessing if it's at a
0: dollar store, you could probably get some on... Pro-wrestling, too.
1: Oh, yeah? What about pro-wrestling, my love?
0: Nothing. Nothing at all. Why?
1: Were you thinking of a particular pro-wrestler that might be therapeutic and relaxing to color?
0: I feel like repeating the same letter over and over and over is...
1: Very therapeutic. It is. Is there a particular letter?
0: Oh, I, I don't know, Beth. I don't know. Should there be? You Something symmetrical, perhaps.
1: Like H? H?
0: H sounds good, Beth.
1: That's... Triple H? Oh,
0: we got there again. You know, I'm going to have to like tweet him and be like, you know we mention you in every single podcast we <laughs>
1: do?
0: I don't even know if he's on Twitter. And then he'll be like, never talk to me again and block <laughs> us.
1: Sue us for copyright for saying Triple H so many times. I
0: hope not. That's just pub. Free pub. I don't even know if he actually wrestles anymore or anything.
1: Well, you talk about him enough. Maybe you should find some of this stuff out.
0: Hey, I'm sorry. I'm just so sorry. I am a failure. <laughs> okay, guys, we're gonna keep this one a little bit shorter, cause again, last time I just went
1: and the time on and before and that was pretty on long on. too.
0: Yes. So we'll give you back what's left of the time that you. We're going to spin on us and go do something productive like color. (laughs) Or look at pictures of the Amber Room. If you want to get in touch with us, tell us about the Amber Room, things we missed. Tell us about coloring books. Tell us about adult coloring books.
1: Tell us about Triple H if you know anything. Yeah,
0: yeah, that would be great. (laughs) Um, You can get a hold of us at alcaha at gmail.com.
1: Or we have a Twitter and a Facebook page. If you look up Alcaha, you'll find us.
0: Yep. That's really all there is to it. Um, if you would go ahead and rate us on whatever podcatching service you listen to, that'll help the algorithm and more people will be able to find us. And Like us, share us, love us. If you just have a comment that pertains to any episode we've ever done, don't be shy. Send it in. You know, all the way back to pumpkin spice. And toothpaste. Man. That was awesome. This was our 20th episode already. Can you believe that? 20. So I propose a toast to at least 20 more.
1: At least. <laughs> uh, ben E.J. Sorry, drinking. I'm Beth.
0: <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye. Bye.